The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. No mai hoki mai ki the Fold e mihi nei ko Duncan Grieve tokungua. Uh, my guest this week is uh, Oliver Driver, who is the producer of Shortland Street, uh, a show you might have heard of and might might have a strong opinion on. You might not love it, but uh, but I do, and I think on some level this episode is making the case for why why everyone should because this this show contains it doesn't really make any sense that New Zealand should be able to maintain a daily soap and. The only reason it can is because I think both in conception and in terms of what has happened to it over the years, they've got a lot of really difficult things right. I think they have made, tried to make it a show about about all New Zealand and, and obviously, no doubt, if you were to watch it back over the years, there have been plenty of times when they haven't necessarily done that correctly, but there's always been a sense that this thing is in motion and as I, as I say on this on this episode, I think it's like a, a leading rather than a lagging indicator of where we are going as a society. And I think that's to the immense credit of the production and actually the network which has screened it over the years. Um, so Oli Driver is a he's you know like a, he's very well placed to do this because he has fulfilled basically all the roles on the show. He started out as as uh, as an actor uh, playing nurse Mike Galloway. Who turned a decade ago to to write and 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 direct and and then is now the producer and he talks about the nature of that role, which on it, it, the best of times sounds like way too much for any any person to do, but to try and manage that through through the pandemic and particularly for, through the last three months, I don't even know how it's happened. And he looks sort of, you know, like like he's surviving, which is which is quite extraordinary. So. Uh, you know, a quick, quick bit of background about um, Ollie. He was, you know, after being on Shortland Street, he was creative director of, of Alt TV, which was like a, quite a cool, interesting indie TV channel in the OOs. But he was also a co-host of Sunrise, which was a, a short-lived uh, TV3 response to Breakfast. Um, he did those things basically back-to-back, and I feel like that kind of, High low or, or or alt kind of mainstream tension is something that you know it's not dissimilar to a bunch of people, but he really embodies it in extremes. He's you know he's voiced multiple uh, Power Rangers, had a talk show on News Talk ZB, but he's also you know been a huge part of, New, of Auckland's theatre community over the years. And I feel like I remember him having like a big kind of stoush, uh, as they say in, in our industry and nowhere else with. With Peter Calder about the function of, of criticism, so like he's not afraid to to get into it, and it's probably you need that to to do a role like this. Um, 
But yeah, it's just really fun for for me who's who's watched Sean Street at various times, very you know for for blocks of years, and and you know found that the country that you know you see through it a a pretty you know pretty authentic representation of of us given the limits of the form, which are which are. Um, pretty significant so it's a really fun conversation I think about a uh, a fascinating subject and you know to have made it to 30 years and still be going strong still innovating it's a real credit to to everyone involved in that production all 170 of them this is Ollie Driver on the fold Tenakwe Oliver and uh, welcome to the fold Kevin thank you very much uh, I wonder if you could start by telling me what what the vibe is like in Henderson slash Ferndale right now as you close in on this very momentous occasion. Uh, I think there's a level of excitement and a level of exhaustion. Uh, we we joke, or I, I sort of have a running joke of thank God it's a it's December, because it feels like that at the moment. Um, and weirdly enough, for us, COVID for the first two years was a was an exercise in strategy and how we do systems and how we put things in place to keep people safe. And we did kissing through perspex screens and, and and all sorts of distanced stuff, which which we kind of had to work out. But nobody had COVID, so it was it was everybody was always available. Whereas this year we're finding it really difficult because we've had over half of our cast have had COVID now. Um, up to we're approaching half of our crew have had COVID, and so when Omicron first hit we had to just rewrite massive amounts of scenes and massive amounts of storylines as we lost actors for 10 days at a time. And how does that that work? Because you're, you're, these storylines are intricately plotted out over long long periods of time. They're, they're, they're arcs that every single one impacts, you know, uh, other elements of, of the, you know, other, other characters' arcs. Like, how, how did that sort of manifest itself in, in the sort of scripts and, and what happened to storylining through that period? We had to be incredibly nimble. And at one point, when Omicron first broke here, we, we had a fairly early outbreak in the studios and we had four actors catch COVID. And this was at the time when you were a close contact if you'd been in close proximity to somebody and the isolation period was 10 days. And so within a couple of days, we'd lost 10 actors for 10 days. And we were in the middle of shooting 15 episodes because we shoot across you know, multiple episodes in a, in a week. And there just wasn't the capacity for us to move all of those scenes to when they came back because also what happens if they come back and another person's got COVID and so we have to move the scene again and move the scene again. So we had to, we were quite reactive for a while having to write and, and change things as more and more people were going down. And then at one point I just had to make the call that we shut the production down for one day, which is a very rare thing. And it's, it's we've only done it sort of two or three times in our history and, and it's all been COVID related. Uh, and then we had to bring the entire writing team together, all of the storyliners, all of the script editors, all of the key creatives, and we had to go, we have to fix this problem. We have these actors out. We have to rearrange these stories and change it through. And in some ways, there were some happy accidents. Some of the characters that you had to swap out from particular storylines that went into other storylines was actually really nice. We had one of our characters, Vivian, who's uh, Chris Warner's um, partner and runs the Wellness Centre. She became the character who had to go into the operating room where Drew was working to kind of give the message. And, and she was just, what's she doing in here? And it's like it was actually nicer for that. And that was around Harper's pregnancy and, and you know, there was hilarious things of kind of like, you know, okay, so she's having her her hen's party. I mean, not her hen's party, her, her um, 
what's the one before you have a baby? The baby shower. And it was like, here's all of her friends in it. And then this friend was out. And it was like, okay, they're not it. This friend's on it. And in the end, the baby shower was like Chris Warner and, <laughs> and Desi. And quite surreal stuff. And, you know, people had to swap into out of storylines. And so you had instances where one character had picked up this person and then and then now another character was dealing with it. And it made us change our processes for a little while because what we switched to was we always sort of have operated where we're shooting multiple episodes across multiple blocks so that everything that's shot in the IV or in the staff room is shot in a bunch. And so you might be shooting scenes in the staff room from, you know, 15 different episodes in a day. And we swapped all that around so that we started shooting in um, in order of the episode. So we would shoot two episodes over two days so that if somebody got sick, we could write them out of those episodes without them being in scenes we've already shot. And so we had to change the whole nature of how we shot for a while and it's it's been exhausting it's been absolutely hugely exhausting and and the cast and crew have been absolutely phenomenal and then on top of that we we went hey don't forget there's a 30th anniversary <laughs> so make a really big spectacular thing and and that's been a real hard thing for us to do I think this year because you think about it you've got all that then you've got the 30th anniversary. And are you still, you know, like you have the, the the lengthier episodes going through winter. Is that happening again this year? We're not going to do those this year right. because it's too much. Yeah, and it just it does feel like it's something has, has to give and maybe it's that. Yeah, it came down to the fact of like what is our core business and what are we really trying to do? And what we're trying to do is make five episodes of great television a week. That's what we want to do that engages our audience, that fulfills our character arcs, that tells great stories. Anything else that we're trying to do on top of this, we're in a pandemic, man. So, so cut yourself some slack and and concentrate on that. And so that's what we've sort of done in, in, in recent. I don't know if people have been told that, but there's no winter one hours, guys. Sorry, TVNZ, if you wanted to do that in a special way, but <laughs> Duncan's got the scoop. <laughs> oh, it's good, good to get scoops on the show. I mean, and through all that, there is, you know, I mean, that that impacts the the whole of the show, but it particularly impacts. You ultimately you have to figure all that out in your in your role as producer. Producer means a bunch of different things in different contexts. But on a five day a week, you know, almost all weeks of the year show like Short and Straight, describe what what the role is and and how long you've been doing it and what um, and just what a hurricane the pandemic has been for for the producer of the show. I guess in normal years, what the producer does is oversees the entire production of the show. So so from the creation of storylines for all the different characters, you're part of that team, you're working out where the storylines go for everybody. And then through every step of the process, through choosing who's in it, who's directing it, who's what the, can you tell me whether we want this dress or this dress or what do you think this person should be wearing, uh, involved in all aspects of that type of the production. You're reading scripts and giving notes. You're reading storylines and giving notes. Uh, And then in terms of the production itself, you're watching all of the episodes and then often the directors will, will present their episodes and then you sit down with the network and you make a bunch of changes, and so you have to adapt to those, and then you have to uh, work through those with the with the editors, and then you have to work with the composer to come up with a sound mix for that uh, block, and then you have to um, uh, uh, work with the network to, to get it out there in the promos and the recaps and the previews. So the the the, the mind word I shouldn't say the the, the mind screw up thing, <laughs> whatever you want, to, <laughs> the mind fuck about it. <laughs> mind fuck is fine. You oh, say right, mind okay. fuck on this show. Is that you're constantly you have about 
50 to 60 episodes in your head at any one time because you're looking, we're storylining today. So today I start the day, I start the day on a Monday storylining the week for 10 weeks time down the track sort of thing. And then you're also reading the scripts for one block and giving notes and the storylines for a different block and giving notes. And then there's a block being shot that you have to be across. And then there's a block you're editing. And then there's a block that you've just edited that you have to do the notes on. And so you're constantly having sort of these many, many timelines going on. And in a way, I, I mean, I used to direct a lot of theatre and the, and the way that I always thought of the director's position is the same way that I sort of view the producer's position and that you're just the first audience member. And, and so everything I do, I try to be guided by what would I want to watch as an audience member? If I was watching the show, what do I want to see and, and, and what's going to make this episode as good as it can possibly be? And obviously your relationship with Shortland Street goes back well before you kind of started working on those kind of um, production side roles and you you played uh, Mike Galloway a sort of a, a stoner nurse uh from uh, you know late 90s kind of thing which was probably some kind of apex of its cultural cut through during a time when there there wasn't that same access to just the sort of infinite strands of culture the internet's brought what was the what was it like to be a Shortland Street actor in that period of time you were certainly very well known. It was the biggest thing. Is that the, the viewing numbers back then were were massive. I mean, they were they, they were equal to the news. It was you were talking a million people a day watching, or seven hundred, eight hundred thousand. There was a lot of people watching Shortland Street, and you were you were very much uh, recognised. I'm still recognised as Mike from Shortland Street. Out of all of the things I've done in my life and my career, and the, the biggest thing that you'll get is weren't you that guy on Shortland Street? I mean, there's an old joke which is that you know you're not an actor until you've been on Shortland Street because it's you know, I'm an actor. Oh, I haven't seen you on Shorten Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was definitely, and and it was a it was a fantastic time. It was a really great cast when I was on. Um, Simon Bennett was the producer, and he had brought in a lot of theatre actors, and so it was Peter Elliott and Johnny Lee and Tandy Wright and Geraldine Brophy and all of these fabulous actors. And it was it was like learning how to act. It was like a training ground. You got to. Because the thing about Shortland Street is it's very fast, but you also get to record whole scenes. And so most TV shows, in fact, pretty much all TV shows that, that we watch, when you're filming a scene, you're going to break that up into lots of little bits. And so even if it was this podcast, we'd, we'd shoot a wide shot and we'd shoot the wide shot and then we'd stop and then we'd do some lights and we'd change some things and then we'd just shoot your shots. And we'd do all of the scenes again and then we'd come around and shoot my shots and then there might be a special shot. And, and so you're doing the scene 10, 15 times from lots of different angles, and it will take you two to three to four hours. Whereas in Shortland Street, you come in and you shoot the whole scene and it takes 20 minutes and you're done. And so it's a, it's a you just get to play the whole thing. And that's actually really wonderful as an actor because you're, you're not trying to hold on to, okay, this is your shot, but I still have to feed in. Or you just get to go in there and play and be the character and be the actor and, and, and enjoy the scene. In terms of the way it's made, you know, I've I've, I've visited the set a few times on, on various capacities as a, a journalist, and one thing that's been sort of impressed upon me, and you can't help but absorb when you're there, is is the pace that it works at, and what a sort of it's almost like a factory production line that is happening almost in real time. Because, you know, do you know, like like scenes are shot, and then they're immediately shooting up to, to editors. Do you, which, which, as I understand it, is almost like globally significant in terms of the way that it's done. It's not a normal way to to make al- almost anything in that sort of genre. You know, do you unpack for me a little bit of that 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 process and and what what it is about Shortland Street that is is sort of 
different um, in terms of the, the way that the, the thing is made. Yeah, I guess in terms of soap opera we, we or, or, or multi-camera television, which is what we sort of are, um, we make it in a way that, that is different to some, to some capacities in, in that we still do what we're talking about there, which is to, to shoot the whole scene at once. We have three cameras that, that move as, your, as the scene progresses and change shots. And so the, the main camera might start out with a, with a two shot of the actors that brings them into the thing, and then one of the other cameras will be getting a mid shot. And then while that shot's being recorded, the other camera will be reframing to a different uh, size and position, and the other camera might be getting ready to bring somebody else in. And we're editing as we go. And so if you're sitting in our control room, you're, you're watching pretty much what's going to go to air. I mean, we do trims and tightens, and we might cut out those words and, and change that or, or look at an alternate take for something. But generally, we're shooting for the majority of the scenes, the entire scene in its entirety, which is why our directors need to be very good at editing before they 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 edit before they shoot. So so as a director on the show, you're given your 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 hundred scenes for the for the block, and in each one you sit down and you go. The camera will be on this person, and then I'll cut to this, and this camera will reframe while that's happening, and we'll get to this, and we'll do this, uh, and so that by the time it comes through, you've got a complete scene, and that gets sent straight to editing, which is all in the same building, and then they're cutting as they as they go, and that's partially. Um, because of the speed that we work at, but partially also so that we can check to see if we've got it right. I mean, we have some great resources and in, in, in the fact that all of our cast are there all the time and all the studios are there and all the cameras are there. So if something doesn't quite work, we can reshoot it and we can re-script it or we can change it and we can send it back up and, and get it through in time to be a completed episode. But it, it's mostly due to the the scale of what we're making. I mean, we make you know, five episodes of television every week for 49 weeks a year. So you you knew what it was like <laughs> as an actor and yet <laughs> went back into, into the machine knowing what a hurricane it was going to be. Well, yeah, what, and, and because you've done sort of theatre and because there tends to be this sort of, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, the perception that so, soap operas or, or Shortland Street is a, is a different kind of quality of production versus, and, and obviously they're, they're, they are, they're trying to do different things, but, but you're hardly alone in terms of someone who's, who's been through uh, Shortland Street and has come back to work on it. And that's not, it doesn't seem to me based on having had conversations with some of those people that it's not just a function of it. It's a gig. It's actually, people sort of understand there's something kind of unique and, um, and specific about about what it is and the function it provides to, to the country. What was it that drew you back? I think it's the the people that work there and and the ability to train. If Shortland Street was made in any other country in the world, you would not have the level of technical expertise and skill and talent that you have working for Shortland Street in New Zealand. And that's just a factor of the size of our industry in that, uh, you know, if Shortland Street was was made in America, all of the people that I work with would be working on other shows because there would be other shows available to them to be working on. And so the people that are script editors or some of our DOPs or some of our directors or our writers or those sorts of things would have the capability to be working on much bigger much more flash and, and and sort of you know wonderful looking shows I guess in, in terms of their in terms of their idea, um, but in New Zealand, 
Shortland Street still attracts a wealth of talent. And so, and I think that's one of the reasons why Shortland Street is really good, is that the the people that I work with here would be working on any really amazing television show. And so it's a really good training facility. It brings people through and it, and it spits them out and they go off and do, you know, other projects and wonderful things, but it also retains a lot of talent. And it, and it uh, is, a, is a place where you can work with some pretty pretty special people to make something that is much bigger than the sum of its parts, I guess. So for me, it was it was the people, but it was also the training. I mean, Shortland Street trained me to be an actor, and then it trained me to be a director, and now it's training me to be a producer. So in, in those respects, it's a it's a massive training ground. Because and I've heard that expressed by multiple people over the years, and it's funny, right? Because yeah, Shortland Street is actually one of the very few, might be the only um, drama that is effectively self-funding, you know. Versus, it had a couple of years of New Zealand on Air funding right at the start, but ever since then, and, and it was expressly predicated on we will get this going and, and then it has to kind of wipe its own face. And very few few television productions have had that kind of a journey, certainly nothing like at this kind of scale. Um the the ratings are coming back, and while there is a you know it is one of if not the most popular on uh, TVNZ on demand production, it it's it's funny because you know as we move into the the merger of RNZ and, and TVNZ and the idea that they they might be more public spirited uh, or, or, or more sort of charter centric, yeah, it almost feels to me like there there might be a, a case now or certainly in the future to say even if this thing doesn't quite you know pay for what must be very considerable costs commercially it has this function for the industry in terms of making it sustainable and just training people at hyperspeed to forget their bullshit and focus on making something you know can can you see a an argument for that or or you know or a way that it interacts with with our other um, sort of training grounds, and 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 effectively as a kind of finishing school that that really there isn't anything else like in this country. I mean, absolutely. You you look at almost any person working in the film and television industry, and they will have got their start on Shortland Street. I mean, certainly there's more productions now, so that you can begin your career in 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 uh, in, in more um, in other productions and 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 grow a grow a career quite happily without having ever worked on Shortland Street. But we do train a phenomenal amount of people, and they do go out there into the world and and are able allow us to to be able to make other TV shows. You know, I mean, arguably, I don't know if Pacific Renaissance and, and all of the things that they did with Hercules and Xena would have been able to be done had we not been training people up to be able to go out there and know how to work in a film set and know how to be really good at their jobs. So I think, yeah, we're, we're a training ground. But the other thing I think for the future of Shortland Street is the fact that, you know, what other... It's a show that shows us. And I think that's a pretty unique and special thing for our country is that it's it's not... It's not a 10-part drama about a very specific uh, thing that happens, a crime or a, or, a, or a passion or a vineyard or something else. The hospital is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is the blueprint for it, but it's just about Kiwis. And, and I think that the fact that we have this show that plays five nights a week that reflects us and our society is really important. And I think that will always be important for us to have something that feels absolutely 100% Kiwi. And and allows us to kind of 
talk to the nation and talk with the nation in a way that that is uh, not the news and and not print radio or, or, or podcast or anything else, but as as real real people, you know, kind of being real Kiwis. With, with, you know, obviously massive, ridiculous drama mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens on a daily basis. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at zed.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. It's it's interesting you say that because you know that that's that's been and I've, I've written about this in the past is the extent to which this has always been a show that's felt in some ways ahead of its time in terms of it's it's, it's had a very diverse cast it's you know it's 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 had sort of same sex relationships and um, you know like a lot of the kind of con, you know sort of uh, news or, or social issue storylines that have run through society in the last five or ten years were actually broached on Shorten Street a long time ago, had trans actors and, and characters. And, you know, latterly it's had a, quite a significant increase in the amount of te reo Māori, uh, you know, which, which you see almost um, without it being a big thing on the, on the show. What, what, what drives that and how... how has that because because soaps are often in other parts of the world actually relatively conservative institutions and and can can feel like a they're a lagging indicator of social change, uh, very known to be very heteronormative, for example. Whereas Shorten Street's been a lead indicator of, of social change effectively from the start. If you look at what New Zealand was like thirty years ago, you know, how how did that come about and how has that been maintained? Because it's very easy to sort of have that sort of slip away. I think that's partially a New Zealand thing, right? We're not afraid of of talking about stuff and, and speaking about stuff. And we didn't know – I mean, I can't speak for 30 years ago and, and what the producers and the, and the network were, were thinking back then. But I, I know for now it's very rare that the network would say to us, hey, hey, oh, oh that, that feels a bit much. It's, it's we're encouraged to be uh, forthright and to challenge people and to, uh, to put characters and situations and – stories and families that reflect the New Zealand not only that exists but that I think you know is beginning to exist um, and so I think that's partially 
a Kiwi thing? Is that we're 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 okay to to do that? I think it's partially we didn't know the rules of what soap operas were supposed to do and what they didn't do, and we wanted to get out there and 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 be bold and be brave. And I think it's also a reflection of the casts that we have available to us. We've got really amazing actors here, and and sometimes we do those things intentionally, and sometimes those things happen unintentionally when a particular actor auditions and we go, oh my gosh, they're they're brilliant. We have to change the whole nature of the story to suit this person. But I think, you know, ultimately we want to be out there on the forefront and we want to be doing stories that make you think and make you question and make you challenge, which is, you know, the same as all good content, right? You know, it's like it's it's I always think that that the mark of a good play or podcast or TV show or movie is uh, coming out afterwards and not wondering where you parked the car, is, is, is having an argument with the person that you went with about what you thought of it. And I don't even mind if you hate it. I mean, I don't actually mind if you hate Shortland Street. I just want you to be talking about it because it's, it's, that's, the, that's the thing. Love it, hate it, but be affected by it and be moved by it so that you can then have your discussions afterwards going, God, it's, it's too moldy and you know, no, it's not, it's great. And I, that, well, I don't believe there's so many gays on the show. And, you know, it's kind of like, but great, be talking about that stuff. That's important. It's interesting because, you know, I am I grew up watching Shortland Street. It, it started... Same, we uh, all did. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and, and so I was like 12 years old when it debuted, uh, watched it through my teens, What picked it up again in my 20s when, when my, my kids were young. And now... Um, my wife is watching it with our, with our 13 and 8-year-old and I'm sort of dipping in and out of it. And it's, you know, the, the fact that it has that sort of, it, it is a, a safe space for them to see, you know, different, you know, different types of people, different, different sexualities, gender identities and so on expressed on screen, but also the way that it can kind of weave in kind of contemporary social conversations. The one that you've got right now, which I think is fascinating, is uh, you know Chris Warner is in the process of a sort of a, a slow rolling cancellation based on well or will it be a cancellation I'm not not quite up, up to date but you know there's there's sort of footage of him and the eighties that has surfaced and you know this is quite complex stuff and it's you know it interacts with with media social media with with his his staff and with, with the um, kind of his Māori staff in particular. Yeah, where, where did that come from and, and how does that sort of rip from the headlines? What sort of drives that into the, um, you know, a, a storyline like that into the script and is there any sort of trepidation about the kind of moral complexities of it on a, on a show that, you know, some might say isn't necessarily built for that kind of uh Action. <laughs> um, look, it all comes from character and story. We we sit down at the beginning of the year um, when we're about to go into the into the new season, and we look at every single character. And then what 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 we've started to do recently is to go. I'm not concerned about what happens to them in the next month. Where do we think they are at the end of this year? So so where do we think every single character and couple and group is? Do should Chris be CEO? In, in the time that we live in and the world that we are, should should you know should Drew and Harper be together? What's going to happen with these characters? Where where do we think each one of these belongs? Is anybody going to die? Is anybody going to you know you kind of do that, and you build these sort of big arcs of of okay we're going to get to these places, 
these are the places where we want to get to all the characters. These guys are going to be safe. They're going to be a couple that are that are married and happy and, and, and in love. So we've got a year to mess with that, to get them back to that. Because if everybody's just in happy relationships, it's boring, right? You know, so you want to kind of put people in pressure through that. And so for Chris, it was that one as well. I'm like, okay, we've got a we've got an old white guy in charge of this hospital. It's 2022. Is that realistic? Is that is that what the conversation is at the moment? You know, where do we want to see that go? What do we want to see have happened to that? And then how do we get him there? And and what do we what can, what pressure can we put him under to uh, create? drama and story for that character, but also to create drama and story for the whole world. And one of the things that we really wanted to do this year was to was to raise TK up to be the same as Chris and, and to kind of go, well, you've got these two families. It's always been a, a, a the Chris Warner family. It's been the Warners and the hospital and, and that world. And, and what we sort of wanted to do this year was to kind of go, well, what happens if that shifts a little bit? And there's there's two, and they're and doing they're, co-governance on, on a soap opera, or fighting for it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and and what does that do to the hospital, and how does that divide the hospital, and 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 how does that make everybody feel when this shift happens and and these changes happen, and then and then once you kind of go down the road of okay, that's interesting. Let's let's do something where it's a a civil war, you know, like a like a like a two titans having a fight, and once again that comes out of we shot an episode where. Um, there were two funerals at once. There was Curtis's funeral and there was uh, Tess and her mother's funeral. And watching that, the difference between those two funerals mm. that we did, which were, one was was Māori in, its, in, it, in the way that it was, was done and one was very, um, you know, traditional Pākehā in the way it was done. But Chris was was the head of one and, and TK was the head of the other. And we were like, this is this is Something really interesting. What's, what's, the, what's the, okay, where can we get to in here? And then once you get into that, then then all of the story tends to flow pretty pretty easily. We have these massive boards that you're kind of writing up uh, where everybody goes in into the future. And so you're sort of going, they've got to get to this point. And so when you kind of get to this week, you're like, well, we know they've got to get here before they get here, before they get here. So what pressure can we put them under under in this? And um, so for this one in particular, it was like, how do we really put Chris under the pump? And and this is the other joy of Shorten Street, is that we've got 30 years of story and character to fall back on. So we knew we wanted to do the second part of the story with Chris, and I'm not sure if that's gone to air yet. Um, but we wanted to put him under pressure before that happened. And so then this was like, well, this is an important part of New Zealand history that actually happened. And in, in the Haka Party incident, which is, you know, um, a whole separate thing, but but can we play with that world and what it's like for these ghosts of Chris's past to come up and and how does that affect everybody? And then it's a real tricky, it's a real tricky navigation on that to go how do all of these characters interact? But we have a lot of um, we have a lot of advisors and um, people on our staff who work with us when we're doing tricky storylines that we need to manage in a in a good way, so that we're able to kind of have robust discussions with them to to work out. Um, what we should do or how we manage these things or how we handle different storylines. Yeah, it feels like it's been handled really deftly and it is obviously strewn with potential for chaos. So that, that's pretty impressive, to be honest. It's that funny thing too, though, isn't it? Because you kind of go, okay, and we need to put some protections around the cast here because this is obviously pretty full on and, you know, we, we need to... So we wrote up... Um, 
okay, here's the here's the how we shot it, you know, how we how we did the technology, the face swapping technology, um, how we how we how we shot this haka, you know, which mm. is a, which is kind of offensive and yeah. yucky to do, but yeah. but how we did that, and we got the we got the director Mana to, to write up his story. He's a he's a kapa haka guy, so he was he was able to teach them the kapa haka and do it. So okay, we got all of this ready to go. When we get the when we get the how dare you and and then you know Facebook comes and it's just racism. <laughs> you mm. kind of go, oh, well, we weren't actually. Uh, that's what we got. Is you know was was a lot of comments about you so know when it goes out into the world. Yeah, it wasn't people control. going, how do you how could you possibly make this hacker? It was people going, leave Chris alone. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's more a reflection on Facebook than on Sean's. It is. It's a screaming into the void, isn't it? It is. Um, so you mentioned earlier that that period that, that you're on, <laughs> that uh, I'm, I'm not attributing this to you, but um, that, that the hugely high ratings. Not that you were claiming it, but that was that was basically a given. Just you know, so many shows were just rating their ass off, and Shaw Street, what was at the absolute peak of its um, audience. All, all of television has come back from there, but particularly uh, channels, you know, TVNZ2 focuses on 18 to 49. That is the, the audience that's stripped away much faster than the sort of 50-plus audience that's that's um, more at home on TVNZ1. What constraints does, you know, the, the fact that the, the fundamental economic basis of Shortland Street is just not as uh, strong as, as it once was, has that introduced, like, are you having to do more with less yet? Or, or like, how, do you, how does that impact... The, the show itself, the fact that it just doesn't have that, you know, like because nothing does have that same um, cut through that it once did. I mean, I think we're trying to do things to get people back to the show from from whatever way we can and, and however they can access that show. And so, like, we did um, we did uh, a, a non-demand series over the summer this year uh, called Retribution, which took one of our characters. And it was a, it was a pretty big deal for us because we've done those a few times before and they've always just sort of been comedy, wacky things that play over the summer for people who miss Shorten Street. And then this time we were like, well, can we push Shorten Street into a different place? So we already – Shorten Street balances on a knife edge between farce and drama and, and, and generally stays in the middle there, but sometimes sometimes dips onto one side or dips onto the other. And we generally went very funny in comedy with those because they're easy to they're fast to write and they've got some really great comic characters and and have for for a long time yeah and then with this one with last year's one we kind of went well let's push it really into dark we've got this character Curtis Um, he's he's loved by the audience he's absolutely loved and um he doesn't want to come back on the show so that's fair enough he's busy doing his own his own career and stuff we can't we can't keep bringing him back in he's he's a, in a relationship his character's in a relationship with a character who is on the show and he and he pops in and out sort of that sort of thing but but can we go and tell a story that's just him he's he's theoretically an undercover cop down in Christchurch so can we do a story that's that and really push into the darker side of Shortland Street and and tell a more of a procedural cop undercover type show mm. um and uh, TVNZ let us take that risk, and we approached it in a totally different way. We shot it the way you'd shoot that sort of show. Um, it was mostly on location. Um, in fact, it was all on location. We didn't shoot any of it in our studio world. It was all single or two camera. Um, and we we went in a really very different way for it, and it got a huge response. And you know, and then what we did with that is that we kind of went. I mean, we killed Curtis on that show, <laughs> um, which everybody got very upset about, but. Uh, Unfortunately, um, Nahuia, who plays Esther, got pregnant. And then once she was pregnant, it was like, well, 
Curtis can't not be on the show and be a dad. Then he's just a terrible dad. So yeah. so he so he had to die. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we introduced sorry. we introduced characters in that show that then came into the main show. And so you you started to have this thing where, like, if you've watched that just because you wanted to watch that and you enjoyed that, well, well, Hamish, who was a bad cop in that, and Steph, who was a character, they now come into the main show and we sort of bring people back into that world. And so I guess what we're trying to do, we're not really limited in terms of budget. We're always tight on budgets. Everything's always, you know, trying to do a $1,000 thing with a, with a $500 budget. Um, but you're, what we're trying to do is to create stories and characters and, and moments that relate to different people and that people want to watch. So it's is to recognise that it's not just television that people are stopping watching. It's soap opera is a big commitment. You know, we, we want you to watch five nights a week, uh, every night to, to to stay in tune with these characters and to, and to um, form relationships with them and, and to give up your 7pm every single night. And so that's a big ask. And so we have to work even harder now, I think, to make sure that we're producing stories and characters and situations that people can relate to and that people want to watch. And so we're changing the way that we make that show slightly in terms of telling longer stories because the one advantage we have over almost any other show, is that we tell stories over years and we get you to love our characters over years. It's like Marvel, right? You know, it's kind of by the time Iron Man dies, I've seen him in 22 movies. I care about him. And 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 you can draw on that history of that stuff and that's what we can do. So what we're trying to do is to sort of tell longer stories that pay off in more meaningful ways and draw audiences in and keep them hooked into, into stories that 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 most shows can't do, that we can kind of go, watch what happens with this couple over the next two years because we've planned it. And and that's what we've started to do more of, whereas, whereas I think we've always sort of been in a what happens for the next three months, what happens for the next three months, what happens for the next three months. And now we're starting to go, what happens in the next year and the next two years and how do we create arcs over these characters, these two years that are really going to affect people and are really going to make you feel like these characters that you watch every night and that you love, that you're going through this drama with them. And so I hope that that's going to uh, get people more invested in watching the show as as the payoff of what happens to these characters um, is more integrated into a long-term vision. Which is which is basically a, a way of saying you try and stay in motion and, and turn things which are sort of hard about the soap into, into advantages. And yeah. We just had a recently a graphic illustration of what happens, what, what, what can happen, you know, when you've, Fail to keep moving, and and that was the the end of neighbours. What neighbours is finished? <laughs> <laughs> but which must have been a real thing on the like it must have sent a chill through through Shortland Street because there just aren't that many of these things. Neighbours was something we all kind of grew up with in a in a similar way. How how did you and the the production kind of respond when when that news broke that this thing that felt like it was going to be here forever, just like Shortland Street did, wasn't going to be around anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, you, there's, you're definitely sort of aware of the similarities and you're definitely aware of there's a big institution that's been around for nearly, for around over 30 years that's that's ended, so it's possible to for a show to end. But I do think Shortland Street's very different to Neighbours and I think Shortland Street's better than Neighbours and I think, I, I do. It's got a headline. <laughs> but I do and I, and I think that Shortland Street isn't really a soap opera. It's it's the format of a soap opera, and it's five days a week like a soap opera, and it has soapy elements with cliffs and, and things like that. But we really view Shortland Street, we don't write it like one, and we don't try to shoot it like one. 
And that's why I think, you know, Neighbours doesn't have those things that we've been talking about where 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 you are arguing with your partner or, or discussing this with your kids or, 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 or having a, a big emotional reaction to something. And I think that's what we're trying to do and that what we what has been done so successfully by every every creative that's been involved in the show for the past 30 years is to make a show that really impacts on people. And I think, you know, if Shortland Street were to end, it would be it would be a much bigger and more significant loss of uh uh, of, of work, but also of um, New Zealanders identity than the loss of neighbours is to, to Australia. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, it's, it's, a, it's an astonishing thing to have got to, to these 30 years. Looking forward to watching it play out. Uh, Ollie, thank you so much for joining us on The Fold. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. The Fold is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network together with Vodafone. It was hosted by Duncan Grieve. Produced by T.I. Hair Butler, with production management by Rachel LaRue and series production by Jane Yee. To find out how Vodafone can help you reach your personal and business potential, visit vodafone.co.nz. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e tewi, Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.